0: You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation, brought to you by Go Wild. Now, Go Wild is the ultimate app for hunters and fishermen and all outdoor enthusiasts. Their mission is to craft and curate a community where outdoorsmen and outdoorswomen can engage, interact, and learn. There's no BS. There's no politics. Just good old wholesome conversation about what drives us as outdoor enthusiasts. Now, where can you find this app? You can find this app wherever you currently download your apps, or you can get more information on their website, timetogowild.com. Trust me when I say it's a fun app, and it's dedicated to men and women who just love the outdoors. So download the app today, play around with it, and I guess join the next big thing on social media. On the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network. Hopefully you guys have had a great week since the last time uh, you listened to this podcast. But I tell you what, we got another great podcast today. And we are going to be talking with a gentleman named Mac Chilton. And Mac is going to talk to us about hunting on public land, especially for whitetails. Now I don't know about you guys, but I am chomping at the bit to get out into the timber starting Monday, uh, October first. It's been a long time since I've sat in a tree stand, and uh, I want to get out and I just want to sit and get away from everything and enjoy my favorite time of year—the fall—in a tree stand chasing deer. Now public land, right? We've all heard this public land. Public land has been beaten into us uh, over the past, I don't know, year. It seems to be a really popular topic amongst whitetail hunters. And today, Mac is going to kind of walk us through his experience on public land, some do's, some don'ts, some strategy, um, how to maybe interact with some other hunters, how to from a strategy standpoint, how to avoid other hunters, and uh, basically just talk to us about his strategy, and maybe you guys can take away some of that strategy when you're out on public land this upcoming season. So we got another great podcast. Let's quit wait wasting time and uh, let's get right to it. All right, on the phone with me right now, Mister Mac Chilton. How you doing, man? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing good. Doing good. All right, so. The reason that you're on this podcast today is because you recently wrote an article uh, for the magazine, and remind me again what issue that was. Was that for the September issue or for the October issue?
1: Ah, man, off the top of my head, I can't remember. I want to say September, though.
0: Okay, all right. So, you got, uh, the article is called Guide to Public Land Whitetails, and uh, so Really quick, before we get in and break this entire article down, why don't you tell us where you're from in Iowa and what do you do for a living?
1: Yeah, so I was fortunate enough to grow up in uh, southeast Iowa, a little town called Bloomfield. And um, my family uh, had some private ground that I was able to hunt. And so, yeah, I grew up hunting, bow hunting, whitetails in southeast Iowa from the time I was in uh, middle school all the way up through high school. Um, but now I'm in Ames. I go to Iowa State. I'm a student here. Um, and that's kind of forced me to hunt public ground. So it's definitely been a lot tougher, but yeah, having fun doing it.
0: Gotcha. So what year are you in school?
1: <clears throat> uh, I'm a senior. I'll graduate in the spring.
0: Okay. So basically, what you've done is uh, would I be accurate in saying that you've hunted this public land at near Ames for the last four years?
1: Um. I probably didn't do as much of the public land stuff uh, the first year. Um, I'd say probably last three years. Um, you know, <laughs> when I first got up here, I was you know, during the fall. I was trying to go back home and hunt the weekend as much as possible, so I didn't really do a whole lot of the public thing uh, the first year. But yeah, past three years, I'd say.
0: Right. How far of a drive is it from Ames to Bloomfield?
1: Uh, about.
0: Two hours, two hours, fifteen minutes. Gotcha. Yeah, I can see how uh, that would definitely. Um, I can remember my freshman year, my freshman and sophomore year in college. I pretty much left uh, the college every weekend to drive to a different college to party with my buddies. But uh, but <laughs> still, that two hour, you know, two hours one way and then two hours back, kind of adds up, especially for gas and whatnot. <laughs> yeah,
1: it definitely does. It's no doubt.
0: So, let's break down this article because uh, I think there's going to be a lot of good information, uh, especially right now in the, the hunting community. Public land is a real big buzzword that everybody's talking about and everybody wants to learn how to hunt it better and hone your skills and all that stuff. So, just... On a real high level, why don't you break down this article for us, and then we'll dive into each one of these separate little categories (laughs) and uh, go from there.
1: All right, sounds good. Yeah, so the first part of my article, I basically just talk about how public land hunting, it doesn't matter where you're at, it's going to be tough. There's obviously going to be competition, and then if you add in the fact that – you know, we come from a state that's got 36 million acres. Um, 33 million of those acres are going to be row crops or hay fields. So it's at least very minimal, um, you know, wooded areas that wildlife are going to be at, be in, um, and then it's very more minimal public grounds. I think I saw somewhere around 500,000 acres
0: <clears throat>
1: in the state of Iowa. Yep. So roughly two percent, I believe. And what's that?
0: I think roughly two percent like in between two and 3% of Iowa okay. is, is public, uh, public ground. <clears throat> okay. All
1: right. Yeah. And, um, so very, very minimal. Um, and then, you know, that's scattered all across the state into the small portions, and then you've got non-residents coming in and then you've also got resident public hunters. So it, it turns out to be really tough. Um, but then I just kind of go into the fact that, you put in your time, if you scout, you know, you get out there and you put uh, put your boots on the dirt uh, a few times in the summer, maybe hang a couple cameras, you'll definitely start learning <clears throat> how those deer are moving, where they're moving from, you know, where they're bedding, where they're feeding, where they're doing all that sort of stuff. And it kind of gives you a better idea of what they're doing in general. Um, and that gives you a leg up when it comes to everybody else who may not be doing this sort of stuff. Um, then I kind of move into getting secluded. Um, you know, I think I read something where 85% of public hunters hunt within a third of a mile radius from the parking lot. You know, if you can get a mile back from the parking lot, you're definitely going to be doing yourself a favor. Um, you know, you're getting away from the competition and you're also going to improve your chances of seeing more deer. Um, from there, I guess I go to, um, early season, you know, lots of people are taking their vacation time during the rut, um, which is, you know, nobody's going to blame them to do that. But um, you can definitely have early season success anywhere, really. You know, right. private ground or public ground. But um, you know, if you can get away from that competition while gear are still being able to be patterned, you know, you give yourself an advantage there. And then I also just talk about being respectful. You know, when it comes down to it, everybody has the same right to be on that ground you know so don't go intruding on somebody else's hunt and if somebody does intrude on your hunt you know it's not really their fault they have the same right to be there you know just let it go type of thing you know it it does it does kind of stink but you know that's that's life i guess
0: (laughs) yep absolutely
1: the the gist of it
0: all right so Mm -hmm. let's break it down Uh, and the first thing that uh you kind of mentioned was scouting right so Mm -hmm. Yep. Let's talk about when when somebody new comes to a piece of public land that they they may have never hunted before, what are some of the first things that they need to be doing from a scouting perspective?
1: Well, I'll back up even a little bit more. you know before I go set foot on a place, I'm looking at maps right. you know where what what are the places that look to be the most promising and then' that's kind of when I go. Um, like I said, put, put boots on the dirt, you know, um, walk around, um, get to know the land really. Right. That's a huge thing. Um, you know, you don't want to October 1st rolls around and you grab your tree stand and you go head out and that's the first time that you've been out on the property. You know, that's just not a good idea really. Right. Um, so just look for those feeding areas. Like I said, look for those bedding areas. Um, look for trails, um, general deer sign.
0: Gotcha. And if
1: you're not seeing it, keep moving.
0: Right. So back in, backing up to what you said about maps, what kind of maps, whether it's a physical map or, or maybe a digital map, are you using to do your scouting before you actually step foot in the timber?
1: So basically all I've used is Google earth. And then just recently I started using on X Um, I think it's, $30, and you get $30 for the year, and you get um, a single state, or you can do maybe like $100, and you get the whole United States, and basically what that is, is it's showing you um, the public lands, you know, what areas are going to be public hunting, and then it's also showing you um, names of private landowners, so if you are looking to get onto private land, <clears throat> it gives you that first uh, first step to contacting them, so those are the two two
0: maps that i've been using right so when you're doing your scouting on the map first and it sounds like you're you're using specifically digital maps let's say uh and and let's use google earth because more people have access to google earth than let's say um onyx why don't you start talking about what specifically are you looking for um on a digital map that may spark your interest and say, okay, I need to go check that place out?
1: Okay. Um, I'm looking for a variety of habitats, you know, those thick hardwood timbers um, that deer like to be bedding in. Um, I want to look at um, ag fields where they're going to be feeding in. Look at, like, um, uh, if there's any sort of, like, CRP um, if there's any um I don't know just like cedar thickets, you know, those can be huge uh attractive for deer. Um, all those sort of things. And then if you hone that down into finding those those specific things in one area, you know, you can almost bet that there's gonna be deer there. So that's yeah, nice. when you wanna go to get out and check it out and really kinda fine fine tune that.
0: Right. And I'll just add something. Um, one thing that I really like to look for when I go scouting, whether it's on public land or um, or private ground, is transitions between cover. So if you have something real thick and then right where it starts to open, historically for me, that's where I've always found a good sign, whether it's scrapes or rubs or, or good trails is where it, maybe it goes from really thick to it starts to open up or it goes from really thick to a CRP field any type of transition Yep, yep,
1: I 100% agree with
0: that. Okay, cool. All right, so you've now you've identified some of these places on a map. And now mm-hmm. when when it's time to go mm-hmm. observe that area, what are some things that you're keeping an eye out for? specifically when you're when you're actually going and walking and hiking and scouting physically?
1: Um I'd say looking for those areas where deer are moving, you know, um deer are very patternable um especially early season. You know, just like humans, you know, we want a we want a routine. And deer are the same way. They want a routine. So if you find where deer are moving chances are they're going to keep that same routine um and a lot of times i want to like hang a camera in that area you know see what deer are there see how they're moving um from point a to point b from bedding to food um or what what whatever you know but um yeah i'd say those are the big things you know bedding food and how they're getting from place to place
0: right okay any do you do you put any type of sign or let's say whether it scrapes or rubs or a decent trail th- does anything i guess show you that hey this is a really good spot and i'm going to or let's say let me back up a second scrapes, if I see an old scrape line or an old rub line, that that carries more weight than a a trail? Or are you looking for food? Or is there maybe one determining factor that outweighs them all?
1: I don't know if there's one that's greater than the other. uh, But definitely, if you're seeing all these signs, if you're seeing scrapes, if you're seeing rubs, if you're seeing trails, if you're seeing food, if you're seeing bedding areas, and you're seeing that in in a general vicinity, you know, that's obviously, um, that's going to be a spot that you're going to want to be in come fall. Um, but like I said, I guess I haven't really noticed that one would necessarily be greater than the other. Right.
0: Okay. So the scouting, sure. um, I know a lot of people scout at different times of the year. Is there a time of year that you feel it's better to scout in or maybe, Hey, I've passed, uh, you know, the Iowa season starts here in one week almost. So, mm-hmm. it, you know, it starts October 1st. We're recording this on the 19th. Is there maybe a point of no return for scouting? Like, hey, I'm not going to go in there and scout unless I'm hunting. Or I prefer scouting this time of year.
1: Um, you know, you can, you can scout at any time of the year. It's how how much scouting and how much effort you're putting into it. You know, this time of year, a lot of people are going out and they're looking over bean fields, you know, kind of doing that sort of a thing. Um, and I guess maybe that was even a couple of weeks ago, maybe that they were doing that. There really is not a ton going on right now, but then during season, I mean, you're still scouting during the season. What are deer doing? How are they moving type of thing right. after season ends? You know, when you're doing your shed hunting, you're still kind of adding that to your, memory bank you know okay i found this shed here where is this deer um bedding where is he moving that kind of rolls through the back of your mind um you know i like to go out turkey hunting seeing deer while i'm turkey hunting that's just one more thing and then obviously you know your earlier summer scouting type stuff but so i mean it's a never-ending thing i guess uh what i see myself doing um more of would be the the early summer scouting um and even later, I guess, just, but running trail cameras is a big thing too. I mean, you don't have to be out there 24-7. Uh, yeah. Running trail cameras will do a lot too.
0: Yeah. I'm a huge fan of, I guess you would say, early spring, late winter scouting where yeah, the sign is, it's almost like it's fresh, right, from the previous year. You get to see yeah. the well-used yeah. trails, but all the vegetation is off of the... Uh, of the trees. So that way yeah. you can see all the terrain features in the timber. Definitely. Yep. So, yep. I don't know. That's, that's, but you know, as, as we all know, just because the signs there, then doesn't mean the sign's going to be there <laughs> the next year or, you know what I mean? So that's just, and it plus exactly. it's, it's all yeah. historic data. Yep. Right. Yep. So then, you know, you're you're doing your scouting, you know, and sometimes some of these public pieces can be thousands of acres and sometimes they can be really small, let's say like 50 acres or whatever. Uh, but how do you go about, you know, After while you're doing your scouting, after you've picked these places out on a map, you scout them, how do you determine what is, you know, because if you have like 6,000 acres of private ground, I, I mean – how many acres do you have up in Ames that you hunt, that you have access to in that area?
1: There's a ton that I could hunt, you know, right. I mean, beyond what I can even imagine. Right. Um, the tracks that I do hunt, I've kind of limited myself. So it's like, a, I want to say it's probably eight to 10,000 acres, something like that. Yeah. But I limit myself to probably 500 of those acres that I'm going to be on. Because gotcha. I think it's the it's the part that looks the best. It's the part where I can get away from other people and it's the part where I know there are deer there and there are some pretty nice deer there. Gotcha. That's, that's what I'm trying to do. I think that saves a lot of running around and hassle and that sort of stuff. Where should I hunt? You know, that sort of thing. You know, it's just, i limit myself to that one spot and I don't know if that's good. I don't know if that's bad, but that's just what I've been doing the past couple of years
0: here. Okay. So how I know we talk about sc- scouting, right and and looking for Mm -hmm. that sign but how do you take that next step and narrow down to from that 10,000 acres to that 500 acres
1: i think it goes back to what we talked about the you know looking on the map and finding those terrain features where i think this is what looks the best you know now let's go out there and see if it actually does look the best and kind of going from there
0: gotcha Okay, so then you know public land, uh, and I want to jump to um, I want to jump to this next because as we all start to hunt public land, we we all we start to realize that this is not my property, right? I can go do whatever (laughs) I want on it and hunt it, but you do run into other people. So yeah, hundred percent. Yep. So you mentioned something about pressure and competition. Right, and sure. I, I have a feeling that if there's a lot of pressure and there's a lot of competition, how do you weigh out like, hey man, I know there's a good buck in here, but it's heavily pressured and there's a lot of competition uh, with other hunters. How do you how do you weigh that? Right, so it's maybe that area is worth putting up with all the other hunters uh, because the quality is so good, or hey man, there's too many guys here. I'm out. <clears throat>
1: That's a tough question. And I think that varies from person to person, but I, I guess I've never had to be put in that sort of a situation. Um, yet, at least I'm sure I will, but when it comes down to it, you know, dealing with one or two guys that are in the area, that's not a terrible thing. When you got five to 10 guys that are within 50 acres, you know, it's, it gets tough. And that's when you kind of back out and think, "Hey, you know, is there another stand here that I could hunt?" Um, I guess I don't really know how to answer that, but yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Just kind of um, almost—it's almost like you have to be fluid, right? You have to go in if you get yeah. if you get bumped or or you find out someone else is in there. You got to make an adjustment, and you know, yeah,
1: you got to be flexible for sure.
0: Right, right. So this kind of sparked off into my head, obviously being mobile is a huge benefit to someone. It's not like you can go in and set a ladder stand and hope that no one interrupts you the entire season. Right. Yep. Right. So talk to me about some of the gear that you're using, uh, for these, these mobile type hunts. Like talk to us about, I mean, are you using a, a climber? Are you using a hang on with sticks, anything like that?
1: So up until this year, I've been using a climber specifically. Um, And it's been nice because you don't have to worry about the fact that, uh, you know, I don't want anybody to go in there and steal my stand. You know, you don't have to worry about that part of it. Right. But it has been kind of a hassle hauling it in and hauling it out every single time you want to go in and hunt. So this year what I'm doing is I'm, uh, I'm buying a nice pair of climbing sticks something that's nice and light, quick, and easy to attach to the tree. And then I've just been getting um, some hang-on stands that I can go in there, I can hang them, and then I can just pull the sticks when I leave. Uh, Um, So I'm hoping that's going to be the solution, but we'll see what happens.
0: Right, right. Yeah, man, uh, I'll be honest, I hunt a majority of private ground. I do hunt a little public, but I do that same exact thing. Right? you want to okay. get the most tree stands out there, but you only have okay. so many sticks and that's a that's a great option
1: yeah yeah i I definitely think so I mean you don't have to have uh well i mean sticks climbing sticks they can be pretty expensive yeah. so, i mean if you got one pair and you're taking them in and out with you whenever you're going hunting, you don't have to worry about you know spending hundreds and hundreds of dollars on just climbing sticks alone right so yeah i think it's awesome especially for a college student you know absolutely get the one pair and take it in and out with you
0: so yeah absolutely all right so now kind of going back to this pressure um and this is this is a question that i really like to um ask public land hunters because i think it it gives us or it gives all public land hunters probably an education on how we would like to be treated and how we should treat other people because it is inevitable at some point in time if you're a public land hunter, you're mm-hmm. going to get stepped on or you're going to step on somebody else, right? So yeah. how do you handle those those um, encounters where either someone uh, comes up to you and while you're already set up or you come up to somebody else? and they're already set up
1: I can honestly tell you in the three years that I've hunted public land I don't think that I have ever come across somebody while they are set up every time that I've had a run-in with somebody else they've they have come up on me and it is definitely a disappointment you know especially when it's peak of the rut you know and you just can't wait for that big buck to walk by and then you hear something and here comes somebody in the tree stand walking by You know, it's a, it's a disappointment, but at the same time, you just, you just deal with it. Right. You know, you hope they didn't bump anything. You know, you hope they use their scent control that day and whatnot, but it happens. Uh, so you just kind of roll with it. If they did mess it up big time, just kind of, uh, if you have a tree stand, another tree stand in the area you know, maybe you go try to hit that or what have you. But yeah, it's it's tough. It's, it really is.
0: Do you at that point have a conversation with a, that person? I mean, do they come up to you and say, Hey, uh, are you going to be here all day? Or do you ask them, Hey, where are you going? Or do you just kind of wave them off and say, Hey, I'm here now? Like how, how does that, how does that work?
1: I just basically waved them off. There was this, uh, there was an instance last uh, spring during Turkey season where I actually did have a conversation with a guy. Um, I communicated with him where I was going to be at, where I'd planned to be at. Um, and then he kind of talked to me about where he was going to be at. So then we could avoid each other um, while we're hunting, um, which is a big thing, you know, you, especially Turkey season shooting shotguns, you know, you don't want anybody to get hit, but um but then if I if I was to encounter somebody in the parking lot or something, yeah, I would definitely have that conversation. Like, do you have any other tree stands in the area? When do you plan on hunting? Maybe exchange their, your phone numbers because uh, you can communicate that and you can plan ahead for that sort of stuff so you can avoid that in the long run.
0: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So then what about uh, encounters at the – at the truck, maybe at the parking a lot, you know, how how are you are you communicating there? So, that, hey, man, where are you going? Um, do you typically because I've 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 talked with the guys who have these conversations where some of the guys are like, OK, well, if you're going to go there, I'm not going to go there. Uh, and then I have a group of guys who they tell the other person, they don't ask, they tell them, Hey, I'm going here. So you should maybe, fu- you know, tr- you know, I'd appreciate it if you would stay away. What's, what's your I- ideal conversation at the parking lot?
1: Ideally, I mean, you just, you both talk about your wants and you both compromise to what each other's wants are. Uh, it doesn't always go that way, obviously, <laughs> right. but I mean, that's, <laughs> that's the hope you know hopefully you both get to hunt the stands that you want to hunt um but yeah that yeah
0: yeah and i'll tell you what my encounters on public land with other hunters especially when i've been set up have always been real really cool like they've seen me or i've waved at them and they turn around and they walk almost the exact same way out that they came in so they, oh, yep. hey man, I'm not the first one here. I'm out of here, right? So it's all every one of them for me. I've never really had a bad public land experience. Now I know there's guys out there who have talked to me about, you know, um, <laughs> talked to me about the uh, those horror stories, right? Where man, yeah, you hear even even you hear in some of these higher pressure states like uh, mm-hmm. Michigan and Pennsylvania of like dudes getting in fist fights.
1: <laughs> yep. Yep. I, I can't say that I've, uh, had anything terrible ever happen to me. Um, <laughs> I think the one thing that has, uh, I was turkey hunting a couple years ago and I was set up and I had gobblers all around me going off on the roost and it was just starting to come, uh, daylight and I had somebody, they obviously knew I was there cause I was calling and they just walked right across the field in front of me and got in front of of uh got between me and the turkeys, so that was the one thing and then he came up afterwards and we talked for a little bit, but I mean that's that's frustrating, you know, when they know that you're there but they choose to keep going through. That's right.
0: But you can't do anything about it, you know? Right, right. You just it's almost it's almost like you're just better off going and finding a new spot.
1: Exactly. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yep. All right. Now, you mentioned patterning right so on you know you've hunted a lot of private ground as well and you've hunted a lot of public ground so talk to me about your um this this patterning idea that you have um do you do you feel that deer are harder to pattern or easier to pattern on public land hmm i guess
1: i've never really thought about that concept um I would say probably harder though. Gotcha. Um, if you think about all the other traffic, all the other people that are in there, how they're moving around, that sort of thing. It's bumping deer. Um, I don't think deer are probably as consistent. Um, but when you find those spots that people aren't going to, you know, a mile or so out of the parking lot, then you start to, to see more consistencies, I think. Right. Um those definitely show up on the trail camera.
0: Gotcha. So when it comes to trying to pattern uh, a deer, what kind of tactics? I know you've mentioned, um, I know you know we've talked about scouting and we've talked about, uh, or you've mentioned trail cameras now. What are some of those maybe uh, tactics that you're using to pattern a deer, especially early season where some of these deer are still on their bed to feed <laughs> pattern?
1: Yeah. Um, basically, you know, if it's a spot that I've never been to, um, I'm going to look for those trails, um, where deer obviously going on, I'm going to look for maybe a few scrapes, something like that, stick out cameras, um, in a general vicinity. And then once I start picking up deer, start figuring out where they're coming from, where they're going, you know, then you can move cameras around even more and pinpoint pinpoint certain locations of okay this is um the 10 acres that he's coming out of and this is what how this is the trail that he's taking to get to food type of thing
0: right okay so once you do identify those uh, places i mean what are you are you waiting for specific winds are you looking at access routes i mean do you ever hold up or do you go straight in for the kill
1: uh, you know, if I was hunting private ground, it's wait for that certain wind. It's wait for that cold front, you know, it's don't pressure him too much, but on public land, it kind of gets a little blurrier, you know, cause you know, there's other people that's going to be in there hunting and you want to get in there first. But I would say, um, you know, in the early season, you can kind of hold back a little bit and you can wait for those winds, and you can wait for that cold front because there really aren't going to be a whole lot of people out there. Um, but then, you know, obviously the later in October you get the more aggressive you want to get. That's how I explain it.
0: Gotcha. Before, before the rut hits and chaos pretty much ensues, yes. right? Okay. Yes.
1: Cause it is chaos.
0: Right. All right. So you've done your scouting, you found a good location. Um, and you know you're sitting there trying to pattern this deer. How does then access to that area play a role in the strategy?
1: Access is huge. It doesn't matter if you're hunting private or if you're hunting public. Right. Access is key. Um, you know you want to leave as uh, little of scent, as little you know, minimal noise, that sort of thing, um, as you're getting into your tree stand. So, I mean, what I'm liking to do is, um, you know, on public ground, you can't really cut trees, um, trim stuff how you want it. Uh, so that, that makes it tough, but if you can get into creeks, um, walk the creeks up to your tree stand somehow, um, that's not so bad, but it's, it's just planning ahead. It comes down to, did you get out there in the summertime? Did you walk around? Did you see where you can walk that's? The path of least resistance—it's that sort of thing, right? Um, that's
0: that's really key, I think. Okay, so let's uh, let's elaborate on this on this uh, public land strategy type thing. I mean, obviously, with public ground, you are throwing in some other uh, curveballs that you wouldn't have on public ground, and and the biggest one is obviously people. But just at a kind of a high level, let's say you've either a, identified a good area, or B, maybe through glassing or scouting, uh, you've identified some sign or even an, you've seen a deer from the tree stand, what's your strategy on the attack, right, when it's time for you to go in and set up and try to get as close to these deer as humanly possible?
1: Are you talking about when I want to do that or how I want to go about
0: it? How, how you want to do it, the strategy, and maybe a little when, too.
1: Okay. Um, yeah, if I'm, if I'm set up in a tree stand and I see a deer that's coming out at a certain spot, obviously, yeah, wait for that wind, um, to go in your favor. And then it's, um, it's just move in towards that area. You don't have to go in and hammer his bedroom, but I mean, get off of where he is, uh, where he's coming out of, I think. Um, but yeah,
0: yeah. Gotcha, um, so now, what about observation sits? I mean that's where basically you're you're sitting back and observing an area before you make a move in there. Is that something that you like to do, or do you pretty much just go in hard from the get go?
1: I haven't done a whole lot of observation sits, you know, and that's something that I've kind of learned uh throughout the past couple years. You know, I haven't really been doing this a whole lot for a whole lot of time, so um, that's one thing that I would like to start doing a little bit more, sit back, watch those deer come out to feed, um, see where they're coming from. But yeah, honestly, I, I kind of have been hitting it hard. Um, and it's, yeah, it is what it is, I guess, but, um, it worked out pretty well for me so far.
0: Right. So it sounds to me like basically what you're, what you're, been learning over these past couple of years of hunting in the public ground is how to read sign better i mean do you feel that, that hunting this public ground has made you a better hunter yeah definitely i think so
1: um in, in what aspects like the i'm i would say like what you were saying the reading of the sign you know on public or on our private ground back home uh, basically what we're doing is running trail cameras, you know, find those general spots the deer are, and then kind of honing in on where the deer are at here. When I've got 10,000 acres that I could be hunting, it's looking at a map, finding where I think the deer are, then going in, looking at the sign, honing it down even more. And that's, I think that's, what's really improved for me, honestly, um, just Finding those trails, finding those beds, finding those scrapes, um, and then analyzing those. What do those mean, you know? Where where are they coming from? Where are they going type thing?
0: Gotcha. What's uh, What's been one of the, maybe, a big failure that you've had, or maybe even an example uh, of uh, of a failure that you've had, but you've learned from it and turned around and have made it a success?
1: Ooh, I don't know about that one.
0: On, maybe, yeah, to maybe a a, time to think about that uh maybe a specific uh or maybe a specific success story on public land
1: I'll go back to the failure um, I think going in too hard um, that's definitely i've I've had uh, some failures doing that you know trying to getting to a tree stand and pushing it in too far and then all of a sudden you're blowing deer out of there. Um, you know, it is public ground. You want to get to the deer first, but just kind of back out, take it, take it nice and easy inch in there. Um, you don't have to kill your deer October 1st. So, right. I mean, it's a it's a two month season. Just take it easy.
0: Right. So basically gather as much data as you can in which yeah. case, that allows you to go in and make those those decisions on basically a tactical strike into an area. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. Now, when you go into public land, do do you do mm-hmm. enough scouting on the front end to identify specific bucks that you're after, um, or are you do you go in and uh, you say, well, uh, I'm looking for this deer, like, I don't know, a one thirty class three-year-old or a, a four-year-old or, you know, or specific inches Mm -hmm. that you're looking for, or is it just kind of, yep, if this one looks good, I'm going to shoot it.
1: So it's kind of evolved for me over the years, you know, growing up in Southern Iowa, I've been fortunate enough to take some pretty nice deer. And so I kind of came into hunting public ground with that same mindset, but I never really even thought about that. I'm in a complete different part of the state. This is a part of the state that really doesn't have um, number one, a ton of deer, and number two, a ton of big deer. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've, I've definitely started noticing that um, the chances of shooting a 180 inch buck in October, even November, is pretty rare up here, but it can be done. Um, I think. I've always liked the idea of shooting a mature buck over, uh, an inches buck. Um, so that's what I'm, I've been trying to key in on lately. Um, just, I don't know. There, there's definitely deer out there on public that can be mature. Um, so yeah, I, that's what I've been targeting lately is just those mature bucks. They may not be huge in size, but I mean they, they got that big body, they're old and they're smart and that's what's fun to chase about them.
0: Yeah, absolutely. All right. So anything else that you, that you want to talk about from a public land standpoint that may, uh, give our listeners a little bit of information, uh, to help them be successful, uh, this upcoming year.
1: Um, I kind of mentioned this in my article a little bit, but you know, obviously I'm not the expert I've, I'm just learning, um, just like a lot of other people are out there. Right. Um, and I'm just, this article was basically about what I've noticed while I've hunted the past couple of years on public ground. Um, so what I would say, um, in response to that is I've learned a lot of stuff, um, from watching, uh, YouTube, specifically the hunting public on YouTube. I don't know if you've heard of them, yep. but it's some guys and they're, uh, down in Southern Iowa. And they're specific to uh, hunting public ground, and it's incredible the stuff that I've learned from them. They've also got a podcast too, and I mean they're great guys, and they uh, they kill some nice deer, and uh, they have a lot of fun doing it. So it's been it's been a blast watching those guys.
0: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and it's amazing how with all of the advancements uh, in technology, right? I mean, oh man, uh, you're what are you twenty two years old, twenty three? 21, 21. Okay. You're 21 years old. I'm i thir- I'm 37. I'm getting ready to turn 38. And even when I was your age, that sounds bad. Like when I was your age, but <laughs> I mean, when I was in college, YouTube was a thing, but it wasn't as big of a thing as it is now. So most of my information yeah. came from like okay. magazine articles. Um, but today yep, yep. there's podcasts and there's, uh, YouTube and just about anything out there. You can, you can find hunting strategy for public land just about anywhere. And there's a lot of content.
1: Yeah, Exactly. I'm, I'm 10, 12 year old kids. They can get on YouTube. They can learn how to shoot a bow and they can, uh, they can go hunting. I mean, they can, they learn how to do it right there. I mean, it's at their fingertips. It's easy to do Not Granted, it's nice to get those experiences in you know right. bumping deer and that sort of thing but yeah it's, it's incredible uh how technology has come along
0: right all right last question i want to ask you is up there i mean with the season just at our at our doorstep i find myself thinking about specific stand sets like um at today at work right i was in a meeting i didn't need to be part of a you know certain parts of it and i was thinking like hey man i can't wait for it. A northeast wind on this stand because I'm gonna first one of the year I'm gonna be in there, and yep. Uh, so, do you have a specific stand set on this public ground that you're really looking forward to hunting?
1: Yeah, definitely. I've got a uh, a stand that kind of sets over just a small little bean plot. It's probably no more than an acre, but uh, they got it planted in beans and it did really well this year, and you know. I love early season and I love bean field. So I think it's going to be killer early season.
0: Awesome. 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 Well, man, Mac, I appreciate you taking time to hop on the podcast today, uh, share some of your public land hunting knowledge and, uh, let me be the first to say good luck this upcoming season.
1: Thank you. Appreciate you having
0: me. And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, huge shout out to my man, Mac for hopping on the podcast and talking to us today about hunting public land. And a huge shout out to all of you for taking time to listen to this podcast. Just want to say that if you are interested in more content from the Iowa Sportsman, you can do a couple things. One, you can go to iowasportsman.com and subscribe to the magazine. And you can go to iowasportsman.com and you can read all the other articles. Uh, They have a lot of articles on that uh, website as well, all dedicated to Iowa, right? So uh, you might as well hop over to the the website, uh, get some more great content, and also be sure you check out the Iowa Sportsman Facebook page. There's a lot of big things going on there, and it's always nice to stay connected, um, especially when there are maybe some rules and regulation changes for specific uh, species lots of times they will make a post about that uh, and it just keeps you from having to search for those rules and regulations so thanks again for tuning in hopefully everybody has a great rest of their week and i don't know about you man but i am ready for october 1st until next time